It's showtime. Okay, Tokyo, South America, Australia, France, Germany, UK, Africa. Here we go. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussing, and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. And here we go, off and running on this 13th day of October 2022. This is the Horn. Head on live is where you'll find us on the interweb tubes. That's where you go if you'd like to be part of the merry, wacky, zany, real-time, madcap, multimedia extravaganza that is the Horn chat room in the three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, all time zones in between, and the great globe globe round and whatever time it is when you're listening to the podcast thanks for listening live thanks for listening to the podcast and it's always a pleasure to have you along for the conversation however it is you choose to participate hi i'm robin and if you pop into the chat room right this very instant you'll be greeted by earlier early arrivers uh, anatole and new jersey nick and squeaky and theo hey to all y'all and capably moderated by longtime inveterate, indefatigable veteran chat room moderator Sparky, who, although he is a third stage guild navigator, has chosen not to fold space and become man cave. He is also accompanied by his trusty pinch hit midweek chat room utility moderator and all around great guy, Brother Bishop Steve from Georgia Stand. Steve! And uh, 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 thanks for the warm greetings denizens of the chat room thank you so very much every program here at the horn begins with gratitude and this program is no different that means we say thank you to our 13th day of the month subscribers you know the 13th is no longer the least subscribed day uh that's later in the month now there are days when we only there's a couple of days we only have one but no so we say thank you uh to paul and to gary and gaia Thank you so very kindly for being partial sponsors of the program and helping to keep all of this going. Thanks to the uh, Labor Day Challenge from uh, Matt in San Francisco yesterday. Uh, we are under $1,000 for our fundraising hole uh, this e- this afternoon. Uh, it, where exactly? Why, yes, uh, we are at $930. 
$930, that means uh, today's unfunded, yesterday is unfunded, uh, Tuesday is unfunded, and Monday is unfunded uh, $30 worth. So, you know, if we start out by, if 30 bucks comes in, we'll be funded for Monday, and then we'll go to work on Tuesday, then we'll go to work on Wednesday, and then we'll go to work on today. And, well, if that was to happen, if it, that would be a minor miracle. But uh, uh, we, we've, of course, got Friday on the front porch tomorrow. Um, looking forward to this weekend. It's, it's positively festive around here because it's Bridge Day weekend. You know, it's, it's a shame that, I mean, not a shame, but um, this place just gets so stacked up for Bridge Day. But it would be, it would be great to have a horn in on Bridge Day. But it would be a mob scene, and that's what's going to happen tomorrow or, or Saturday, rather. I think t- Taste of Bridge Day is tomorrow. Those that's always yummy, but it always happens during show hours. Um, and then Saturday, I'm looking forward to getting together with a dear friend, um, my adopted daughter, and we're going to go and uh, wander around Bridge Day and check out all the all the booths and the the the, the the carnival type comestibles and oh, I think there's a chili cook-off tomorrow. One of these days I'm going to get back into the chili cook-off thing. Maybe next year if I'm not at the beach. That's the other thing. I was supposed to be off here. I was supposed to be off. I was supposed to be vacationing right now. I was supposed to be out on the white domino sugar sands that feel like baby powder with the warm, warm subtropical sun of the Redneck Riviera bearing down upon my pale pink hide. But sometimes things just don't work out as planned. And instead, well, we're going to have a we're going to have a heck of a good time uh, or uh, interesting at least because I trust we all watched the January 6th hearing today. We did we? Did we? Did we watch that? And it certainly closed, the hearing closed, with a bang. Uh, I have some reporting here uh, from the New Civil Rights Movement and David Badash saying that, uh, uh, citing a story from uh, uh, Maggie Haberman at the New York Times, and of course she's somewhat problematic. But uh, uh, she's reporting that between the uh, the documents case, and you know we talked about this right at the end of the program last night. Uh, people are now throwing him under the bus, talk, uh, telling uh, telling the FBI about how he ordered that boxes of classified documents be moved from the basement of uh, of uh, Magaloco to. Uh, to uh, the official residence there uh, at that sleazy, uh, sleazy bedbug-infested pile of bricks. So there's that gnawing on his liver, and then the uh, Eugene Carroll's defamation case is uh, it, it, it chomping at his at his, at, at his ankles, and um, the pyramid scheme that he and his uh, sleazy family were involved in. Uh, 
he had to give a deposition in that lawsuit just last week. Federal judge saying that uh, he couldn't delay the lawsuit by E. Jean Carroll and uh, uh, shut down his uh, plea for a delay in that case and said, nope, you're giving a deposition next week. And so that led to him further defaming E. Jean Carroll. Never heard of her. So it's a there's there's a lot there's a lot of ranting and raving going on down in the bunker and a lot of people I don't know maybe a lot of people reaching into their purses and coat pockets and checking out that pack of cigarettes and a lighter that they've got tucked away down there. In short, there's a lot of stoke in the stroke going on right now. It goes on and on and on. And and, and today, oh dear, uh, today the Supreme Court the, the, told him to fuck off. Oh, we're into the F-bombs early. Sorry about that. Um, but no, the Supreme Court told him to go piss up a rope over his plea that the Supreme Court in, um, uh, intervene. in his uh, um, documents case. It's uh, pretty pretty raw for him right now. And so he is said to be raging around Magaloco and uh, even went so far as to fire up his uh, his uh, failing social media network late last night. Um, after the you know after the news came out from the Washington Post about somebody dropping the dime on him about ordering uh, about moving the documents. Uh, he he moaned. There is no crime having to do with the storage of documents at Magaloco. Only in the minds of the radical left lunatics who are destroying our country. Believe me, and were just forced by the courts to give me back much of what they took, stole during their unprecedented and unnecessary break-in of my home. And the only thing being that, well, as with every word that comes out of his filthy, misbegotten, misanthropic mouth, that was a lie, too. The government hasn't been forced to give anything back to the uh, the uh, self, self-confessed serial sexual abuser. And never mind that. Uh, you know, there's the... Uh, there's reference to uh, a break-in in my home. Uh, service. Uh, um, geezer disgust us, buddy. Not to put too fine a point on it, but the service of a search warrant is not a break-in. No. Not at all. 
But, you know, you do you. Sure. I guess. Why not? And so that's, uh, but but seriously, the uh, uh, the fact that Clarence pubes on the Coke can Fappy Thomas um, refused to intervene in the documents case. Um, Uh, even Fappy is feeling the heat. What with everybody knowing that he's married to a to a, a, a traitorous insurrectionist. Um. So, according to NBC News, the decision means a special master reviewing documents seized from Mar-a-Lago cannot access classified papers. Um, in fact, the order says Donald J. v. United States. The application to vacate the stay entered by the United States Court of Appeals for the 11th Circle on September 21, 2022, presented, a ju- presented to Justice Thomas and by him referred to the court, is denied. So, Slappy... Fappy could have denied it all by himself, but no, he booted it over to the court because he can't be seen as um, indiv- you know, acting in a disloyal fashion to his master, I mean, uh, 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 his former president. Um, and instead, let his colleagues share some of the onus of the hatred. As Professor Lawrence Tribe pointed out, it pulverizes all of Trump's arguments and leaves none standing. Tribe calling it utterly devastating. And that news broke earlier today, right about the same time that uh, the January 6th committee hearing was firing up. And that was one for the ages, y'all. That was amazing. Stuff that had never, once again, stuff that had never before been seen or heard. And, uh, the ending. I mean, if that's the, if that's the last hearing of the season, you know, before the election, then I have to say that it's a cliffhanger for the ages. Never mind who shot J.R. Oh, no. <laughs> this, this, oh, he's, he is, he has got to be having kittens with crocheted tails right now. Of the purple polka dotted variety. Uh, Scott in San Diego noting, You do know, right? His attendant has a radar speed gun handy to clock him. With the developments in recent days, Trump has achieved rat in a tin shithouse velocity. Okay. 
That's how the day's going to go? Okay, that's good. Yeah, he probably he he, pro- he probably looks like a uh, busted up rickety uh, rickety ass uh, NASCAR vehicle zooming around the, the 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 giant toilet bowl that is the Bristol Motor Speedway and zoom. Yeah, what are they doing? Oh. Uh, Scott asking as well uh, uh, with regard to the. Supreme Court refusal is the court piling on or are they now stoke the stroke uh, attendees and uh, Ralph's noting uh, maybe E. Jean Carroll needs to amend her pleadings and add today's truth to her defamation suit You know, I get the maybe, uh, maybe, maybe uh, Julius Geezer and Alex Alex Jones. Uh, maybe they can commiserate, although there hasn't been a billion dollar judgment entered against uh, Nitwit Nero yet. Well, like I said, there was a, there was a cliffhanger today. At the very end. Liz Cheney got pride of place to offer up a motion before the J6 committee. And it was a motion to issue a subpoena for the person and the documents of one Donald John Trump. It was not unheard of. It's been done before. Among other things... uh, Gerald R. Ford uh, testified before Congress about his pardon of Richard Milhouse Pinhead Nixon. Heretofore, one of the most criminal occupants of the White House, heretofore, but receding into the distance daily. And, of course... I mean, other criminal attendant. Well, I mean, there's always a, that, that old greasy-headed B-movie actor who got upstaged by a chimp, you know, old 666 himself. Hey, Ronald Wilson, Reagan. And Pappy Bush. And Dim Leader Bush. Crooks and criminals all. But Nitwit Nero has taken pride of place, really. And so the committee will issue a subpoena for Nitwit Nero, which he will then oppose. But the subpoena will be returnable uh, if, let's see, we're, we're just under exactly a month from the midterm elections. Which means, you know, I, I, you know, one wonders if the committee already has the subpoena ready to go. I'm guessing they do, and it will be a matter of serving him now. And um, if Bill, Billable Rick, if you're listening, my friend, uh, what's the what's the time frame for the return on a congressional subpoena? 
it can, I mean, the notice provisions of the federal rules, and, and I don't even know that the federal rules apply here because this is not a judicial proceeding. Um, I presume it would be rules of the House's, House of Representatives. But it's conceivable that will that subpoena will be returnable inside of the time span that is now and the midterm elections. So he could theoretically be well into contempt of Congress absent the proceedings themselves because if he just says if you I'm not showing up you can't make me you radical left Democrats then the committee can just hold a vote and hold him in contempt and send it off and, and, and send their contempt vote off to the floor of the house for full consideration therein and I'm sure that the well-paid pundits of the multi-millionaire for-profit media will be breathlessly uh, hand-wringing and pearl-clutching about whether this will hurt the Democrats' chances in November. Jesus. How pathetic. This is the very life-saving work of the Constitution and the Congress in protecting its rights and protecting the country itself. But we're going to have to listen to the, you know, the, the, the horse race garbage. Steve in New York with a note. Today's hearing, the most chilling part for me was the video of Speaker Pelosi and Leader Schumer talking to the various administration officials. That completely corrob- they completely corroborated the fact that Pelosi tried to get National Guard, etc., to come to the Capitol. And, of course, also in that recording, she notes that all of this was largely instigated by Donald Trump. She knew that that day, January the 6th. But I would like to point out something, and this is, this is strictly a matter of language. But the more I hear the talk of, and, and, and when I say talk of, I'm not, I'm not saying that it isn't, but, you know, the descriptions of the January 6th, insurrection, for instance. Um, It was an insurrection. But I cannot get over the nagging uh, sense that if, in fact, the people with the guns and the bear spray and the body armor and the ballistic helmets, if those people had been brown and or black or had been carrying Black Lives Matter signs or maybe were done in the all black, wearing the all black of Antifa. The braying from the for-profit media and from the Republicans from January 6th further uh, forward would have been uh, a, a, a hue and cry that the United States had been victimized by a terrorist attack. Any pushback on that? 
and so since we are we do since we do spend so very much time out you know out here so far ahead of the curve it's like straight road can't help wondering why it is that we cannot I mean, it, what is it about January the 6th and maybe this is a better way to approach it what was it about January the 6th that wasn't a terrorist attack on the capital of the United States? Let's just go over that. It can't be because it was a domestic insurgency. Domestic terrorism is real. It can't be because... They didn't breach the Capitol because they did. It can't be because they weren't violent because they were. The very nature of terrorism, as we understand it legally, is the use of terror or violence in order to bring about some sort of demanded political change. It certainly seems like that is, is, is germane. The people who attacked the Capitol on January the 6th were trying to undo an election and violently maintain in the Oval Office the man who lost the election. I mean, this is real Banana Republic stuff. But to the best of my knowledge, only here, in this little radio community, we few, we happy few, who hang on by the last frayed thread of a uh, of of a of a of a of a dry rotted shoestring. Only here are we calling January sixth what it was, a terrorist attack. Oddly enough, committed by the very people identified by the by the uh, uh, law enforcement community as most likely. to commit domestic terrorist attacks. That is to say, the right wing in this country. The white right wing. Is, does any, some of y'all listen to other, and follow other, other, other programs. Does anybody else see this for what it was? A terrorist attack? Because, you know, January 6th, those were not people, you know, doing the whole Dr. King nonviolence thing and uh, marching with arms locked and singing, we shall overcome. No, as we were reminded today, this was a bunch of bloody-minded terrorists singing, we'll hang Mike Pence from the sour apple tree. And it just kind of pisses me off that we can't call it a terrorist attack because it was perpetrated by white people. 
So I simply don't. And there was other stuff that came out today. Um, I don't know how anybody else read it. But... uh, Well, did it, did it seem to you as it did to me that the Secret Service has a lot of splaining to do? The committee, of course, pointed out that they're still missing a ton of vital communications from the presidential security detail because of the wiped phones. But they knew weeks in advance, day at least uh, more than a week in advance, that what was coming on January 6th was going to be big, was going to be violent. And did... And this is a complicated law enforcement term. Bupkis. And I think the American people deserve to know why. And maybe some folks ought to have some uh, time to consider the wrongness of their actions and the care, custody, and control of the Federal Bureau of Prisons. Uh, Flavio, um, the problem is there is no bite, no enforcement of laws. John Marshall has made his decision. Now let him enforce it. Are you sure about that, Flavio? Because racist Bannon, uh, Stevie Three Shirts, is heading into federal court next week complete with his effluvium of the smell of rancid hot dog water. Probably, you know, every bit as grizzled as that dude I ran into last Sunday. Uh, and he's going to be sentenced upon a conviction on, uh, on contempt of Congress. Do you think that the Congress uh, won't make a similar referral? And here's the thing. Everybody says, well, yeah, but if the Democrats lose the House, yada, yada, yada. If they've made their, they have until January. If, if the Democrats lose the House, this committee has until January to get the, to get the deposition done or to have him blow off the subpoena and pursue contempt charges, and make a criminal referral. It strikes me there's enough for a criminal referral for obstruction of justice in what he did ordering the boxes moved down at uh, Magaloco. He's running out of time. The walls are, in fact, Closing in. Flavio also noting it took 
10 freaking years for the Sandy Hook parents to get any justice, and Alex Jones still has a show, and Steve Bannon still has a show. What the fuck, USA? Going to be hard for uh, the man who looks like rancid hot dog water smells to do a show from inside the federal stir, even if it's only 30 days. The contempt of Congress herein is profound, and it may very well be that the judge will drop a rock on him. It, one can hope. Stephen, New York, on the other hand, says uh, as to the subpoena, I don't think he'll oppose it. I think he'll jump to testify. Why? Because he's a very stable genius and very smart man with all the best words who can outsmart everyone. And he's got the very best genes. He's such a smart boy. Look at him going potty all by himself. He can feel his mother saying it. Now, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that one, Steve. I, I think I think he will, Captain Queeg-like, boldly go for, And, well, you know, he did take the fifth a whole bunch of times recently. So maybe he'll sit there and take the fifth. I mean, at least that way he can avoid the contempt of Congress charge. To a certain extent, it all has to do with uh, how how deep his hubris is running. He doesn't fit precisely within the within the space usually occupied by a Greek tragic hero. Uh, he's more like a Greek tragic fuck up. Not that tragic. Maybe something more like a, a character out of Aristophanes, the birds. But he, he, he might show up. And after he does that, well, maybe we'll see the referral. Like I said, today was a hell of a cliffhanger. Steve continues and says, I put my conspiracy hat on. It occurred to me he shows up and the FBI slaps the cuffs on him. Wouldn't that be fun? But I don't know if, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if technically they could do that. Going to and coming from, right? Flavio, however, is experiencing a, uh, uh, a uh, spasm of cynicism at the moment. From your lips to God's ears, but I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe contempt of Congress is enforceable when it is. Flavio, do you really think that, that that Steve Bannon, having been convicted, is going to walk into that courtroom where he was convicted in front of the judge who accepted his conviction and the judge is just going to say, ah, nah. I mean, I guess it's possible. But it seems like once... He, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Clarence says, uh, stop it, Robin. That Trump voice impression is spot on. I had to pull my truck over to regain my breath. I was laughing so hard. Oh, Clarence, I'm sorry. I hope it didn't take you off your uh, uh, your timetable. You just, you know, you have to sort of close off your sinuses. 
Get your Carl, the assistant greenskeeper, going. And then say stupid things. And, uh, in regard to contempt of Congress, Scott in San Diego says, Bannon could get way more than 30 days. I give you the Hollywood 10 and HUAC. The Hollywood 10 paid a high price for their actions at the HUAC hearings. In November 1947, they were cited for contempt of Congress, facing trial on that charge in April 1948. Each man was found guilty and sentenced to spend a year in prison and pay a $1,000 fine. After unsuccessfully appealing the verdicts, they began serving their terms in 1950. While in prison, one member of the group, Edward Dimitrik, decided to cooperate with the government in 1951. He testified at a HUAC hearing and provided the names of more than 20 industry colleagues he claimed were communists. We do, however, have to take into account, and, and, and I'm, I'm fully cognizant of this fact, that there are literally hundreds of members of Congress who are every bit as disloyal to their constitutional oaths as Nitwit Nero was, and they will band around him. And there will be barking and grunting and hooting. But that should not forestall or intimidate uh, people who are committed to their constitutional oaths from upholding those oaths. Uh, outside of his, uh, outside of the House Select Committee today, after the hearing closed, and after the subpoena to. Donald J. Trump was authorized by a nine-to-nothing vote and a roll-call vote, uh, each member uh, saying aye to the issuance of the subpoena. Uh, Representative Jamie Raskin uh, told reporters he, that, that, that he is of the opinion that the committee has... Uh, done most of what they wanted to do. They have gathered the information they were able to gather. They have gotten it in voluminous detail. Speaking to reporters, Jamie Raskin said, as the vice chair observed, we were actually able to nail down every salient detail in pretty much every area of defense, except for a number of things related directly to what Donald Trump was doing and what he was saying. Obviously, we got some of it, but we didn't get all of it. So one way of addressing the witnesses who took the fifth when it came to Donald Trump's own actions, is to call Donald Trump himself. It's hard for me to imagine any American citizen essentially being accused of trying to overthrow his or her own government who wouldn't welcome the opportunity to come forward and testify. Raskin went on and said anybody who knows something about the January 6th or the run-up to it should come forward, and nobody knows more about them than Donald Trump. He added, you know, we have a pretty unbroken track record of winning our cases because all we're asking people to do is come forward and testify, and the Supreme Court's been clear that Congress has the power to do that. Raskin said he specifically wants to ask uh, 
Julius Geezer a number of places in our investigation where various witnesses refused to say anything invoking the Fifth Amendment, the privilege against self-incrimination, meaning they felt they could be exposing themselves to prosecution precisely when dealing with President Trump, so we would like him to explain what was going on at those various points. Madeline Dean of Pennsylvania said, I'm horrified by the truth, but I'm heartened by the patriots in this room. Uh, He added, Raskin did, that he still has some lingering questions about the Secret Service and different things that took place, but we've been able to get a lot of the information, and that helped fill in the picture of what the president's shocking inaction and passivity in the face of the violence was unfolding. Um, Madeline Dean, uh, she of Pennsylvania, said... uh, Look at Officer Harry Dunn. The Secret Service knew and did nothing to protect him. They did nothing to protect us and then strangely lost a lot of messages. They knew the violence. They knew the weaponry. They knew the planning. They knew who was outside the magnetometers. And they knew the president was saying, let's go together. They knew that the president was fighting to lead violent mobs. It's a coup. It's not just some spontaneous insurrection or riot. It was a premeditated coup by a desperate former president. I'm horrified. Representative Dean, we all are. Maybe you might want to consider starting to finally call this event what it was. A terrorist attack on the capital of the United States of America. I mean, we're kind of either down to that or an act of civil war. You pick. Representative Dean added... Uh, The Secret Service should have alerted everyone of the threat, shut it down, and told the president it was too risky, make an address, use a camera, shut it down for the protection of the vice president of these Capitol Police officers. It was a violent coup. Sometimes that's lost. There were 40 police officers seriously wounded, and one of us could have been killed. They wanted to hang Mike Pence. This was a deadly coup attempt by a former president. It says it all that he was sitting in the dining room enjoying watching it, and he pre-planned it. That should make for a pretty interesting line of questioning. And now, of course, we've heard from uh, the uh, Mussolini of Magaloco himself. I guess going to his shitty little social media platform, he said, uh, Why didn't the unselect committee ask me to testify months ago? Why did they wait until the very end, the final moments of their last meeting? Because the committee is a total bust that has only served to further divide our country, which, by the way, is doing very badly. A laughing stock all over the world. Uh, yeah, he did a rally. I forget where. Uh, something didn't. Michigan, maybe. I, I don't know. But it was in the last couple of weeks or so. And he goes from talking about people being. We've got horrible crime. People are dying all over the place. There's American carnage. And our airports really suck. The level of disassociative thinking. 
would be hilarious. Except for the fact that it is not. Well, okay, he wishes he could have testified 10 months ago. Horseshit. He would have, uh, he, 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 yeah, he would have tried to de- delay and delay and delay, but now all the information is out there and he has to cope with it. The people who were going to drop the dime on him have dropped the dimes to the point that you could fire, fire up a chorus of pennies from heaven. So stand not upon your uh, stand not upon the order of your going, nitwit Nero. Go at once. Sorry for my cynicism, Flavio says, but I, I really am. But this country is in a bad way. There's a lot of lawlessness and lots of scoff laws. And have you seen the Congress we got? I've seen some of the members of the Congress we've got. We've got some very good Congress people right now, but the margin is terrifyingly narrow. As to Trump's testimony, uh, Steve says, uh, I'd love to see them play his speech where he said only a mobster pleads the fifth, then let him plead the fifth. There's a veritable buffet of scenarios where we could snarf down boxes of popcorn to watch it. I'd fully expect him to start rending his garments while exposing his naked body to the world to all of our collective consternation. Well, Steve, I mean, you, you, you you know... We already have basically a precy of what his uh, of what his testimony may very well be like. Sure, we do. We absolutely do. And I'm queuing it up now. It'll only take a second. Oh no. Yeah, there it is. There it is. We've only referred to this a million times, but it's still it's still good. Captain, did you ever turn your ship upside down in a vain search for a key that did not exist? I, I don't know what lies have been sworn to in this court, but I'd like to set you straight on this matter right here and now. A key definitely did exist. May it please the court, the witness is understandably agitated by this ordeal, and I request a recess to give him a brief. I don't space. want a recess. I'll answer all questions right here and now. Did you conduct such a search? Yes, I did. As usual, my disloyal officers failed me, and the key couldn't be found. As a matter of actual fact, wasn't this whole fuss over a quart of strawberries? The pilfering of food in large amounts or small is one of the most serious occurrences on board ship. Yes, but didn't you learn the mess boys had eaten the strawberries and that you were conducting a search for an imaginary key? I repeat, the key was not imaginary. And I don't know anything about mess boys eating strawberries. Captain, have you no recollection of a conversation with an Ensign Harding just prior to his leaving the cane? What about it? Well, didn't Ensign Harding tell you that the mess boys ate the strawberries? All that I remember is that he was very grateful for his transfer. His wife was ill in the States. Captain, do you know where Ensign Harding is now? I'd have no way of knowing. 
Ensign Harding is in San Diego. His wife is fully recovered. He has already been summoned and can be flown up here in three hours, if necessary. Would it serve any useful purpose to have him testify? No, I... I... I don't see any need of that. And there's the ball. Now that I recall, he, uh... He might have said something about mess boys, and then again he might not. I questioned so many men, and, uh... Harding was not the most reliable officer. I'm afraid the defense has no other recourse than to produce Ensign Harding. Now, there's no need for that. I know exactly what he'll tell you. Lies. He was no different from any other officer in the wardroom. They were all disloyal. I tried to run the ship properly with a book, but they fought me at every turn. If the crew wanted to walk around with their shirt tails hanging out, that's all right. Let them. Take the tow line. Defective equipment. No more, no less. But they encouraged the crew to go around scoffing at me and spreading wild rumors about steaming in circles and, and, and then old Yellowstone. I was to blame for Lieutenant Merrick's incompetence and poor seamanship. Lieutenant Merrick was the perfect officer, but not Captain Quig. Ah, but the strawberries, that's, that's where I had the men oh, yeah. and made jokes. But I proved beyond the shadow of a doubt and with, with geometric logic that a duplicate key to the wardrobe icebox did exist. And I'd have produced that key if they hadn't pulled the cane out of action. Uh, I know now they were only trying to protect some fellow officer and... Naturally, I... Mother! I can only cover these things from memory. If I've left anything out, why... Just ask me specific questions and... I'll be glad to answer them... One by one. You know, it's curious... I just noticed this for the first time, and then, ah, with the strawberries. I just noticed this for the first time, but Humphrey Bogart's makeup in that scene is about the same shade as that of uh, Tangerine Tiberius. But you can you, you can almost imagine, can't you? I mean that ah, with geometric precision. I'm sure Scott in San Diego is giggling merrily right now. But I wonder, you know, given the fact that he, he he's pretty much fresh out of decent lawyers. I mean, is is he going to show up? The, if he shows up for the for the, for the with the, if he shows up on the subpoena, is he going to show up there with counsel for the parking garage? And the fact that uh, at one point he was muttering, hey, can you believe I lost to this guy? And I mean, it, it, it's, it's all there now in black and white. And, and, and by the way, this was also the plan in 2016. If shit hadn't gone sideways in places like Michigan and Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, he would have claimed the very same things and tried to get an insur- a terrorist attack going then. 
Zoe Lofgren said it was a premeditated plan by the president to declare victory no matter what the result was. He made a plan to stay in office before Election Day. And, you know, speaking to a group of maggots uh, a few days before the election, uh, Stevie Three Shirts, the man who looks like rancid hot dog water smells, said he's not going down easy. If Biden's winning, Trump is going to do some crazy shit. There was a clip of uh, uh, former White House staffer Elisa Farah Griffin, who said, well, I popped into the Oval just to, like, give the president the headlines and see how he was doing. And he was looking at the TV and he said, can you believe I lost to this effing guy? And they went to great, went into, went to great trouble to point out the business with the order of withdrawal from Afghanistan and Somalia. As a, as a, as a pout. Or as a cope. And they showed video, uh, video deposition footage from various and sundry military brass saying it would have been an unalloyed disaster had his order been followed. There was the testimony of Cassidy Hutchinson who said that she saw a conversation between uh, Mark Meadows, you know, the guy that was registered to vote in two or three states, and uh, Marcus Horalius, in which Nitwit Nero said, uh, I said something to the effect of, I don't want people to know that we lost, Mark. This is embarrassing. Figure it out. I don't want people to know that we lost. I, I hate to go all Roman history on us or anything. You know, that's the way my mind works. There's just some aspects of this that feel so very much like the waning days of the Roman Republic. And I'm thinking particularly uh, the final consulship of Gaius Marius and, 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 and Sulla riding back with an army to cross the Pomerium into Rome and topple Gaius Marius and set himself up as a dictator. I think of, of Catiline trying to topple the, 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 the Roman Senate and the Roman Republic. The SPQR, the Senatus Populusque Romani. They knew they had, Nitwit Nero and the Secret Service knew. And this is, I mean, this, this, no, this is chilling. They knew that they had an army beyond the magnetometers. With body armor, ballistic helmets, semi-automatic and maybe in some instances fully automatic assault rifles. 
You never know. You know, it, it's not that hard to 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 turn a semi-automatic rifle into an automatic one. It, bump stocks are terribly, terribly effective, and you don't even have to modify the the the, the trigger mechanism. By January fourth of twenty twenty one, the Secret Service had received reports of calls to occupy federal buildings of discussions about intimidating Congress and invading the Capitol. As early as December 2020, a tip was sent to the FBI, and the FBI forwarded it to the Secret Service that the Proud Boys, quote, think that they will have a large enough group to march into D.C. armed. Their plan is literally to kill people. Please, please take this tip seriously and investigate further. And the Secret Service did what? Right. Not a damn thing. And that was powerful footage of, of, of uh, Chuck Schumer on the phone with Jeffrey Rosen. At that point in time, the acting attorney general saying, Why don't you get the president to tell them to leave the Capitol, Mr. Attorney General? And then there's the footage of Nancy Pelosi say, uh, watching uh, CNN footage of the, of the attack from a secure location, saying it's just horrendous and all at the instigation of the President of the United States. I mean, I agree with Flavio uh, in, in one sense. I mean, I don't generally disagree with Flavio, but I agree with Flavio in one sense. Uh, that this country, as Flavio said, is in a bad way. We are teetering. And November the 8th will determine whether we remain standing or tumble. Am I weird, Stephen New York asks, or was this a really pivotal, solemn, and profound day for our union? Yes, it was, and thank you for using the term our union. That word doesn't, yet, yet, it, it, at least Liz Cheney's bandying about the word republic. But the union. Oh, I know, that probably doesn't focus group well with anything south of the Mason-Dixon line, but our union... If nothing else, the stakes were laid out plainly and clearly on this day. And I don't know about you, but I'm on pins and needles. I desperately want to think that this country can get it right, but we have so many people who want to get it so wrong that it's it's unsettling. As we discussed yesterday in, in, in yesterday's program, the same people who run around grunting about being incels are easily rattle, uh, 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 radicalized into being Nazis. The same people who 
put stickers on gas pumps of, 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 of President Biden pointing, I did that. Well, it's not a hell of a it's not a hell of a long trip to to get them to the point where they are in, where they are in fact bloody-minded insurrectionists. You know, the vast majority of people who made up the Confederate Army were there either because of conscription or because they have been they had been uh, stochastically terrorized into joining because they were absolutely convinced that the Yankees was going to come down and a rape on their white women's. When that had absolutely nothing to do whatsoever with the casus belli. Oh, I'm going back to the subpoena for a moment. I did get a note from Billable Rick. Thank you, Billable. Time for response to congressional subpoena. I'm not sure exactly when congressional subpoenas must be complied with. In my federal practice experience, grand jury subpoenas and trial subpoenas had to be served on the witness a reasonable period of time before the date for appearance, which was generally regarded as at least 10 days. I don't have any practical experience with congressional subpoenas, nor have I ever seen one. So that's all I've got for you. Well, I'm, thank you for that, because I'm kind of kind of in the same posi- same boat as you. But I have to think that there's you know, 10 days. And, and usually with a congressional subpoena, there's some negotiating that goes on. But the fact that they jumped right out there and issued a subpoena, and you know, to say jumped right out there is something less than, less than accurate. Uh, he uh, has been invited... Uh, on numerous occasions in in committee hearings, and you know, with with words such as "and we invite former President Trump to come and testify and share his side of the story," he has long since been invited. So his complaint: Why did they wait until the very end, the final moments of their last meeting? Well, they didn't. They didn't dipshit, and you know it. But you know, he's a liar. Lying is what he does. Um, uh, I'm not sure if it was the Nevada one or not. I mean, that's where Tommy the Tuber showed up, uh, Flavio. His last hillbilly Nuremberg rally, easy on the hillbilly there. I'm a hillbilly. Okay, I'm a hillbilly. I, I kind of take, I, I kind of take umbrage with referring to people from places like Nevada as hillbillies. Uh, they st- uh, are you talking about the latest in uh, the latest one in Minden, Nevada, a sundown town where locals insist on keeping the siren warning non-whites to leave at sundown. They still run the siren to honor first responders, so they say. <laughs> right. Um, Matt in San Francisco noting subject line Secret Service none of the talking heads would go so far as to say the Secret Service is compromised it seems pretty clear to me they knew and did nothing uh, what the actual fuck heads should be rolling instead everybody's standing around wringing their hands this is so frustrating and see as I sat and watched that whole business with uh 
the 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 testimony or the discussions about the secret service behavior this is nothing new with them are we so are are are, are we so overwhelmed by the 24 hour news cycle that we forget that in the weeks leading up to the inauguration in two, in January of 2009 of Barack Obama that the secret service was stone cold busted for circulating emails with n-word jokes in them have we forgotten that or the fact that they assigned obama uh, the uh, call sign renegade and way back then i couldn't help re- uh, remembering the lyric to a song by the same name that contains a reference that could be understood as being racist as toward the first black president of the United States. If we take into account the fact that law enforcement tends to be authoritarian in nature, and so people with authoritarian mindsets are going to be drawn, drawn toward it, does it come as a surprise to find out that uh, those authoritarians might be inclined to go along with an authoritarian president? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing there's not a lot of... Uh, uh, not a lot of readers of, of people's history of the United States in the secret service we might be better off if there were probably a lot not a lot of noam chomsky fans in the secret service not that i'm but you get the idea the secret service is dirty i suspect but the problem is we can't fully bring into the light of day how dirty they are because that's even scarier. Isn't it? Um, Irish Dave pointing out, it's as if Il Duche has gone plum out of his orange tree. <laughs> plum and orange. Oh, that was good. Um, adding, I went to high school with a girl whose father was a crew member of the Partridge. Some say the Kane Mutiny was based on this ship. Deep in the English Channel lies the wreck of a U.S. Navy vessel sunk during the Battle of Normandy. Her rotting decks and silt-filled chambers once staged a human drama that may have inspired Herman Wouk's World War II novel, The Kane Mutiny. That's the true story of the USS Partridge and the real-life heroes who served aboard her in some of the most treacherous waters of the war. The crew's struggle to serve under a captain losing his grip on command brought them to the brink of mutiny, just as the ship was facing her greatest mission yet. From the submarine-infested Caribbean to treacherous North Atlantic crossings to Normandy beaches, a bird in the deep tells the story of friendship, heroism, and the true nature of leadership during a time of war. I never heard about the Partridge. Thank you for that, Dave. Thank you. Um, And then... Randy Radar points out there's that late 1950s Western with the Trump character 
uh, a con man who arrives in town wearing a robe full of moons and stars who tries to sell the town on the idea of building a wall. It, that wasn't a, that was a that was an installment in a TV show, wasn't it? Can't remember. Then of course there's always Elmer Gantry. And by the way, um, uh, thank you, Ralphs. Ralphs is trying to help us bring down the fundraising hole. We are at nine hundred and thirty bucks. Ralph says I'm offering a twenty-five dollar challenge in honor of Bridge Day and the Drumpf subpoena. Thank you, Ralphs. Thank you so very much. So, if there's twenty-five dollars out there, it can turn into fifty, thanks to Ralphs. But the twenty-five has to show up first, and that'll get us down to eight eighty. And then if we don't want a four-digit fundraising hole for Friday on the front porch, we'd need to come down, oh, what? Um, We need to come down to another $181. It would be really helpful if we could because I've got some scary payments out there I need to make. But that would—that's a huge help, perhaps, because uh, your challenge would actually get us fully funded for last Monday. So thank you, and I hope—I hope somebody will uh, will respond. It is Thursday, Thorn in the Side Thursday, and so consequently we have the Green News Report. Let's uh, check that out and uh, see what Brad and Desi have to offer on this uh, early autumn afternoon and then of course uh, if you'd like to jump in on the stress line 844-843-4676-844 the horn get you right into the program and uh, we'll see what's uh, we'll see what's on your mind but for now Brad and Desi it's Thursday October 13 2022 these weather disasters we report on are certainly adding up fast. The rising cost of our climate crisis. When it rains in the U.S., it pours more than ever, new study confirms. Plus, we're doing it not just for today, but for all the ages. Biden establishes the first national monument of his presidency. All of those establishments and more straight ahead. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment it's a permanent permanent decision an action that no future president can overturn that is darling this is your green news report Okay, Desi Doyen, it has been a very difficult year when it comes to the climate crisis. And as it turns out, it's been a very expensive year, too. Yes, yes, it has been. 2022 is already a grim year for weather-related disasters in the U.S., and it is not over yet. The U.S. has seen $15 billion weather and climate-related disasters so far in 2022. Fifteen? Really? Fifteen. That is according to NOAA. Those are events like storms, fires, and 
and floods that cause more than $1 billion in damage each, like Hurricane Ian, which is one of the costliest storms in U.S. history. Caused a lot more than $1 billion. It's about 50 or $60 billion at this rate. So far. The U.S. is tracking well above our long-term average for billion-dollar weather disasters. Back in the 1980s, the U.S. averaged about eight disasters a year. Now, we average 17 per year. Wow. In the 1980s, we'd see an average of 82 days between billion-dollar weather disasters. Now, the U.S. on average gets only 18 days between disasters. The rising costs reflect the increase in the frequency of extreme weather and climate disasters and more people moving into vulnerable areas. Uh When it rains, it pours even more in the U.S. now, thanks to man-made climate change. Researchers at Northwestern University this week confirmed previous studies showing that it is raining harder in nearly every region of the United States. That's a long-term trend firmly linked to man-made global warming because a warmer atmosphere holds more moisture. As global temperatures continue to rise, so will precipitation extremes. In other news, in Alaska, state fishery managers have canceled the fall Red King crab harvest and the smaller snow crab harvest in the Bering Sea due to population collapse. That's after a marine heat wave in 2019 scrambled the marine ecosystem. Last year's snow crab harvest was the smallest in more than 40 years. And so this year they've just canceled it altogether? Yes, to give the populations time to recover. Wow. But some good news. Not a moment too soon. In a new report, banking giant Credit Suisse projects that President Biden and the Democrats' landmark climate law, the Inflation Reduction Act, is likely to spur even more explosive growth in American clean energy industries than people expect. And it is already underway, with big clean energy and electric vehicle manufacturers announcing major investments in the United States. Honda this week announced it will open a 35 billion dollar battery production plant in Ohio to build EVs and EV components. Did you hear that, Ohio? That's your state. That's thanks to this president, those Democrats, and not one single Republican who voted for that bill. Just saying. EV battery manufacturer Our Next Energy is building a $1.6 billion factory near Detroit, Michigan. A new analysis by the Dallas Fed finds that over the last year, manufacturers have announced $40 billion in investments in new large battery factories in the United States. However, the U.S. still lags far behind China in the geopolitical race for EV supply chain dominance. Also in clean energy, global renewable energy developer European Energy unveiled plans this week to build several utility-scale solar and wind power projects in the United States over the next four years, totaling about 10 gigawatts capacity. That is a lot. And finally, President Biden traveled to Colorado on Wednesday to designate his first national monument protecting an historic World War II era Alpine Military Training Center from development. Polls show 85 percent of Colorado residents support creating the Camp Hale Continental Divide National Monument. Democratic Colorado Senator Michael Bennett spent years trying to get Congress to act to preserve the site, but was blocked by Republicans. At the sign ceremony, Bennett thanked the Iraq War veterans and tribal nations who worked to protect Camp Hale, which is now a magnet for wildlife and the state's outdoor recreation industry. The result is a victory for Colorado's environment, 
our $10 billion outdoor recreation economy and the legacy of public lands we owe the next generation. At this point, I will take any victory that we can get. Indeed. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. I love the work that those two do. We are uh, well into the second hour of the program, and I have thanks to send out uh, to uh, our dear sister Jude in the great Northwest, who answered Ralph's challenge and said uh, it's dedicated to yesterday's call from Clarence. A reminder, don't let the feeling of hesitancy hold you back as you connected strongly with many of us warmly. Jude, thank you, Jude. Thank you so much. And that takes us down to 880 bucks to go to fill in our fill in our fundraising hole. That's a far cry from the billions of dollars that uh, Alex Jones needed to go out and lie uh, and lie to people and hustle a paleo chocolate chicken bone beverage. But you know that's never been that's never been the goal here. It's always just a matter of trying to share relevant factual information and maybe have a little fun along the way, a little carrying on, a little cussing and discussing, right? Yeah. Uh, onward we go over to uh, the Skype line. Hey, welcome to the program. Hello. Yeah, Scott, what's up? It's always up. I mean, everything is up. I mean, have you have you not been watching? Today? Everything is beautiful. No singing! In its own way. Uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, it's like a triple uh, bingo or something. Just one more corner, and I'll have the four corners bingo. You got your uh, you got your uh, January sixth uh, uh, proceedings today. You've got your uh, Supreme Court uh, sending a terse note to Mr. Trump regarding the documents. And what was the third one? Um, shit, I can't remember the third one. That's not why I called anyway. It's a great day. It's a silly posturepedic morning this afternoon. But here's the deal. You were talking about the Secret Service. And today, what channel were you watching the proceedings on? Was it MSNBC, I hope? No, no, I, I watched on C-SPAN because I can do without the professional bloviating. Okay, well, sometimes the bloviating works to our, our advantage. After the, the proceedings, they were talking about some of the Secret Service documents. And I'm glad that in the proceedings, they talked about the text messages and the phones and the erasures of, uh, at pivotal times of the text messages. And it got me to thinking, and I had to look the guy's name up because I couldn't remember who uh, James Murray, is. he's no longer uh, with Homeland Security and or Secret Service. But when all this news first came out about the uh, Secret Service phones having things being erased, wasn't he sort of rushing to their defense saying, oh, well, we ordered new phones and, you know, the timing of it wasn't suspect. It was a cyclical thing and all that. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, that's 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 our boy. But the last I heard on that, and this was back in the summer, I guess, 
was that the Inspector General at Homeland Security was supposed to have an investigation, and that's the last word I heard. And I would—that's why I called, wondering if you or the Horn family had heard any more on that, because they shouldn't—it shouldn't take that long. Well, I mean, they may, there was reference made during the hearing today. If you know, there's a lot of stuff we wanted. We got a good bit of stuff, but the stuff we really wanted, we never got because it was destroyed. But yeah, the, the, yeah, I know that part. That we all knew that. But what I'm saying is. Has anyone heard anything about the Inspector General's investigation about this cell phone uh, incident? Where, where no. there? Well, see, that's what I was wondering about. And normally, I hear about stuff. I'm not on top of everything, but I, you know, I, my ears do perk up from time to time. Well, they need to get on that. They and weren't they supposed to have Mr. Murray uh, in front of some House or Senate panel? to testify i mean e even if he's now the former head of whatever he was the head of he can still answer questions about what went on when he was in charge of things never heard any more about that so i i i just don't know nor but, do i frankly well i i hope we hear more about that and i don't know who to who to send a note to but maybe we can kind of jostle something with our elbow and get something going. But as far as the Secret Service and the caliber of people that are part of that August organization, now you, I think the Horn family and you are aware that I have a relative who was in the Secret Service at the White House for like 25 years. Right, yes. And is now retired, who is a right-winger if ever I saw one. I mean, a rabid right-winger. Uh, uh, so my thesis that it uh, that uh, uh, the Secret Service does not actively recruit from uh, crowds of people who smell of patchouli is accurate, you'd say. Well, it's it's not the best and the brightest, is is what I'm saying. Nothing against my relative or anybody else in the organization. I'm just saying that back during the days of Bill and Hillary, when we were still on speaking terms. In more than a few conversations, he would say some of the most derogatory things about Mrs. Clinton and Mr. Clinton. So I don't know where he would be now because I don't, uh, we're not in touch anymore by mutual agreement. But I'm just saying that the, that it's not the, I'm sure that 94% of the people are who go who sign up for that job go in it for the right reason, and they know what the deal is going in and during their years of service. But there's always a few bad apples in, in the barrel, you know, as we are finding out. So that's, that's, that's all I'm saying about that. I mean, long gone are the days when people like Clint Hill, you know who that was, or still is, he's still around. Right. He was he was in the car behind the limousine in Dallas, and at the sound of the first sign of trouble, he was off the running board, but just didn't get to the limo quick enough uh, to block the third shot, and was torn up for years over it until he finally got counseling and quit drinking and chain smoking. And came to terms with it and found out that 
as much as he wanted to, physics and human frailty entered into it. And you just, it, it was, he couldn't have gotten there. So he no longer beats himself up over it. But what I'm saying is, that is the caliber that they look for. That's the, that is an example of someone who knows what the job is, has the qualifications, and is there to do it to the best of his or her capability. And I would, and that, that should worry all of us, should concern all of us. If there are true believers from the dark side who are in that position, all manner of mischief and worse can come to pass. And I don't, how, how do you, how do you keep stuff like that from happening? I mean, the chain of command has got to have eyes on everybody. And I well, the, but, the, but the problem with January 6th, Scott, was not that they were preventing something bad from happening. It's that they were ready to be fully complicit with him on going walkabout. Or at least some of his detail was. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. How do you weed out the bad, uh, the bad actors? I, I don't think they test them. After they're hired, I know there's rigorous testing going in, both physical testing and psychological testing. And, you know, you've got to have something on the ball to do that sort of work. And you've got to have a spotless background in terms of, you know, everything from credit checks to whatever. But once they're in there, if they bring their strange notions in with them and they're not weeded out in the weeding out process, what do you do with a guy or a gal who's been there for 10 or 12 or 20 years who's set in his or her ways? I mean, there's no, I, 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 there's no test for, assure, for quality assurance, for lack of a better term. And that should, that should concern people because these are the people who, you know, who the job description is to protect you know, not preserve and protect not only the Constitution and be law-abiding and law officers, but they need to protect to protectees. And it, it shouldn't matter who the protectees are or aren't. You get what I'm saying? I mean, I just... So it is troubling that they... I want to hear more from Mr. Murray, and I hope someone listening out there will know who to contact to cause that to, to move along. Well, I, sus I mean, I suspect the IG is doing its job, and the fact that you're not hearing anything means the IG is doing its job. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but that's usually how it goes. Well, and you're, you're more than likely correct that, they, that they'll be finished when they're finished, and hopefully there'll be a report or, or a press release at the very least. Now, getting back to the... Uh, the key to the food locker is a strawberry. <laughs> I, I thought I, uh, every, I think of you every time I hear geom geometric logic. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you, I I got tired of waiting for because TCM has it on at least twice a year, and I got tired of waiting. I was between showings, so I went and ordered the uh, the best uh, home video of it that I could, and while I was looking for the the Kane Mutiny film. I said, well, I've never read the book. Why don't I order that? Which I did. And then I saw a couple of pages down a stage play that the Kane 
Mutiny film was original was based on it was right. a stage yeah play it goes it goes Herman Wook novel stage play movie yeah and since it's not running on Broadway anymore uh, it, there was a revival of it or a TV version of it of the stage play and I ordered that but I haven't watched it that uh, watched it yet maybe I'll look at that tonight because I've heard just about all I want to hear about January 6th. I I need to take a break and then you know cuz today was pretty impactful I thought. Oh, I I I I watched and and I think what we I think what a lot of us find frustrating is the absence of consequences. We hear all this and if we're inclined to give credence to it then we want something done about it. But, you know, Congress is not that venue. Well, and and that's why I think we've got the dual track going. There for a while, we were all wondering what happened to the Attorney General. And apparently, he's slowly but surely getting things done, and he can apparently multitask, okay? I just wish he would kind of speed things up. But as far as the, the House... I'm hoping that we stay in Democratic hands after the midterms. Hoping? You know how I am with religion. I'm praying. Well, I know. I know. Well, but see, what, not, what, but, but here's, a, here's a little tidbit for you all right. uh, that you might find interesting. At the same time that the hearing was going on, a pair of former maggot administration officials were noticed today um, swanning about the... Uh, D.C. Federal Courthouse, where the uh, the uh, J- where the J. Six Grand Jury is meeting. Were they taking a tour, or had they been? Well, no. Uh, Mike Short, who was the former chief of staff to Mike Pencil Neck Geek, yeah. uh, was seen walking out of the courthouse, and he said, "Hey, Mark Short, why are you here?" He goes, "I got nothing for you," which is what you say when you've been talking to a grand jury. Was he? He wasn't whistling and smiling, is what you're saying, on his way out. Well, I mean, see, he couldn't even. If they, why were you here? And he says, "I got nothing for you," because he can't say, "Ah, oh, you know, I was just in having a chat with the grand jury." Yeah. He can't say well, that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And who else? He said there was a couple. Well, but the thing is, uh, there's a, a a sort of under the radar court fight going on. To try to stop that grand jury from talking to former administration officials, which yeah. Short was one of, because yeah. Nitwit Nero is claiming privilege because he doesn't want people throwing him under the bus, and so that's just a little bit curious. And then there's the former national security aide and advisor uh, to Geezer Disgustus. Cash Patel. Oh, dear. Uh, seen walking into an area where the grand jury meets. And he wouldn't answer questions. And, and, and Patel's spokes creep said she wasn't aware that he was at the courthouse. Well, no, the, they brought up grand juries today on the after show after the January 6th bang the gavel and went away for a while. Uh can you do the? Can you uh, uh, plead the fifth in a grand jury proceeding? I don't think you can if what they said is to be believed. Mm, I think a, you can. 
because they whoever it was they were talking to was pointing out that in a congressional setting, like in front of a panel and you're a witness, that it is more appropriate there. But when you get into grand jury territory, it's not as easy to get away with doing that. Yeah, but the thing is, if, if what you're testifying about could subject you to criminal liability by a group that's sitting there to impose criminal liability, I can't imagine a place where you would be more likely to plead the fifth. Yeah, but uh, what consequences are there arising from that pleading? I mean, they can't, I think the guy on TV said that you can't, you can't go after someone simply because they pled the fifth. And I understand that, that, that makes sense. But certainly there ought to be ways that you can, you can induce them to testify. I mean, isn't that... Uh, well, that's what immunity agreements are for. Well, that's what I mean. Don't prosecutors make deals? There's blanket immunity and transactional immunity. And we don't, you know, we don't, we don't know what's going on there. Old Cash and Mr. Short were visiting the... Yeah, but the thing is, Short has already cooperated. He cooperated with the J6 committee. Um, But Cash Patel is a dead-ender in a hard case. Yeah. He's been peddling big lie stuff and deep state garbage. There's a lot of money in that. And in the final months of Nitwit Nero, they moved him over to the Pentagon. And at one point in time, they wanted to put him in at CIA so that he could declassify documents for Trump. Jesus. I'm telling you, this bunch makes Nixon look like a piker. Well, yeah. The more you look at it, do your side-by-side comparison. Yes, it certainly does. But I I just, um, well, I was impressed with today's proceedings. And I am all for them inviting Trump to come and defend himself because no one else has. I mean, all the wit. Did you notice all through the proceedings recently and in the early days, virtually all of them were either on board with Trump and or Republicans. There hasn't, the only Democrats in the room are up on the panel as near as I could see. And that should be a, or they're, they're telegraphing a message to the American people that yes, there are decent people who will come forward. Some maybe not whistling and skipping as they do, but there are some people who know what the, what the deal is and are willing, you know, even with a little encouragement to show up and, and testify, hopefully honestly. And there is a sign of, uh, that is a positive thing, but I just, you know, it's going to be the only difference that they'll have to do with Trump if he should appear, which at this point, it, it, it's, a, it's going to be a madcap presentation. And instead of the big steel balls, he'll have little BBs, but otherwise it'll sp- still be just as rambling, evasive, and incoherent as Captain Cleague was in the movie. I mean, if it should come to pass that he, and I hope they use a uh, fire retardant on the Bible when they swear him in, because that fucker will burst right into flame. You know? I don't know if they use Bibles when they swear him in in Congress, but do you you think 
it would be worthwhile to have him if only to see just how fucking crazy he is. Yes. Oh, I'm, uh, yeah, absolutely. Now, what are the what are the chances of him saying, well, I'll show them because you know that he's got to. Well, there were no small number of pundits who were saying, oh, yeah, he'll show up. This is catnip. Because if you think about all those times that he showed up in uh, congressional hearings to piss and moan about, you know, indigenous casinos. Yeah. Well, I would I would hope that they'd put it on in prime time because that would be must see TV. I, you know, I, I, I don't person, man, woman, camera, TV. Well, <laughs> but I, I just don't know that we're going to get much out of him other than the usual shtick. But the usual shtick will still be dramatic and valuable. If he sits there for four hours and says, this, 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 and they're playing video for him of what other people said about him. See, if they do that, it, 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 he'll go nuts. He's a loser. I never heard from him. I never heard of him. So they're counting on him slipping up and lying under oath. And that's yet They're counting on him. They're counting on him dysregulating. Dysregulating. Let me look that up in my uh, funk and wagonals. Disregu- is that a psychological term? Uh-huh. Or- huh. What does it mean? Well, losing it. It, mean, it, mean, it, means, it means losing his shit for an I extended period of time. Because I looked it up and I said, see, losing his shit for an extended period of time. So, by God, great minds. But well, just to I- move, move on to a couple of other things, uh, because, you know, we always cover a lot of ground when you call. Well, I I hear. I suppose you saw that uh, Nicholas Cruz is going to spend life in prison. That's the guy who slaughtered all. Yes, slaughtered all the children at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. No, I I don't like the notion of the death penalty, but in certain cases, I wonder if it's not a better thing to go that way. I was very surprised at that, to tell you the truth. In Florida, I was too. Did they uh, interview any of the jurors or whoever made that decision? Mostly what I've seen is people interviewing parents. Oh, well, you know they've got to be just absolutely torn up from that. And so it, he's getting life with no possibility. No possibility of parole. And what? And, and uh, one of the parents. And, and listen, I'm not being unsympathetic because I am. But uh, Manuel Oliver, his 17 year old son Joaquin, was one of those killed. Yeah. Said mass murderers. You get to live your natural life. You get your three hot meals a day. You get to shower every day. Get medical attention. Hey, even a hobby or a new education. What a great message is this sending. But, and, and, and I don't know. You know, you put that up against horizontal crucifixion. You go night-night and it's over. 
I mean, there might it, it's they, horizontal crucifixion. There will be some suffering. I thought they still used old Sparky down in the sunshine. Oh, State. I don't think they're allowed to. Well, okay, so good. maybe it's a, maybe maybe it's a firing squad. It's still over in an instant. Whereas Nicholas Cruz has to spend the remainder of his life, and you know he's going to be. F- I don't even like talking this way. He's going to be fresh meat in that maximum security prison. His will not be good days. Oh, no, or nights. I was just kind of surprised, especially given given it was Florida and given it was a capital crime and given the horrific situation that it was. I mean, I, I don't know. I... I, I would want to poll the jurors or talk to them afterwards to find out what their thinking was. And like I say, I'm no fan of the death penalty, but sometimes folks like that are need to pay the ultimate uh, penalty. Well, look, consider that this was tried to a jury. The jurors heard testimony regarding whether he should be executed by the state or whether he should be imprisoned for the rest of his natural born life with no possibility of ever exiting the uh, the facility um and we we you know we we trust jurors in the main as triers of fact and those jurors tried and true said we want him to spend a very long life suffering. We want horrible things to happen to him in prison. We want him to beg for a death that will not come. Our rage and our bloodlust cannot be satisfied by simply killing him. We want him to suffer every day, every minute, every second for what we hope will be a long and miserable life in a hell-on-earth place like the maximum security prison uh, run by the state of Florida. We hate him. He cannot... We couldn't kill him enough to show how much we hate him, so instead we want to just hate him for the rest of his life, and then we're going to piss in the hole we throw his body in when he finally dies. Well, it, that is a message that they're sending, I guess. I. How old is he now? He's not an old. He's a young man. So he's got a long stretch, assuming he doesn't. Yeah, know, he's he, like twenty-three. Take a, a a fork in the eye and the chow line, or off himself. I mean, he has a life of no of of of. of incalculable agony ahead of him. Yeah. It cannot, and, 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 you know, we can't get into the trauma Olympics compared to his victims. Or more importantly, those his victim, those of those who were left behind. But life without parole is not some sort of break. 
No, it's not uh, club fed. Um, you know, Steve in New York says, bingo. If suffering's what you want, suffering's what he'll be having to look over his shoulder for the rest of his days. I'm thinking living in purgatory for the rest of his days is appropriate, namely prison in Florida. Yeah. Oh, shit. Deep, deep South penitentiaries, Parchment in Mississippi, Angola in Louisiana, Stan. And I, oh, for, and I forget Parchment. where I forget where the shithole is in Florida. And, you know, they'll just leave, you know, if, if a hurricane decides to just blow hell, they'll leave them in there. They'll let the hurricane blow them away. They'll, let, they'll leave them bobbing in the water. Because Florida absolutely hates everyone that it sends to that, uh, those, those uh, shitholes. You know, Ron and Raleigh points out people don't realize it costs more to execute a felon than keeping them in stir. The cost of years of appeals is phenomenal. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And, and uh, along, along those lines, we've got a little update today on, uh, of all people, well... Let's check in with Dylan Roof. Oh, dear. Remember Dylan Roof? Oh, yeah. The boy who went to Burger King? After he slaughtered nine worshipers at Mother Emanuel AME in Charleston, South Carolina? Well, he's, uh, he's been trying to keep the state of South Carolina from killing him. And his case went before the Supreme Court of the United States. You know, that pro-life court with all them fine, fine, fine Catholics on it. Saying, you know, I don't want to be killed. And all them fine, fine, fine pro-life Catholics said, fuck you. Kill him. Kill him real good. Jesus. Tear little pieces off of him until he dies. And but I don't care what happens to him. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. Well, actually, he's in. Uh, I think he's in the uh, federal correctional facility in Terre Haute, Indiana. I think that's the same place that we sent. Uh, oh, who was the shit bird who, uh, who who blew up the Murrah Federal Building? Oh yeah, with the buzz cut. And see, he's the uh, being being a being a, a a right winger and probably an incel. Uh, he uh, well, he fucked himself because he had a defense team. You know, there was there's no getting around his guilt, but he had a defense team that was prepared to offer up a uh, mental illness defense to being executed. And he fired his lawyers, and because uh, he represented himself, because his law, the judge told him that his legal team could introduce evidence that would show he was allegedly mentally ill. And so the jury, after he fired his lawyers, they never heard the evidence of his mental illness. And meanwhile, the little fucker was delusional and thought that he was going to be rescued from prison by white nationalists but only if he didn't let the rest of the world find out how nuts he was is uh, 
uh, Terre Haute, the, is that one of those Supermax uh, concrete? I, I think that's just where we keep our federal death row. Oh. Because there's, there's that one, I think it's in Colorado. Which, oh, that's Florence. That's the Supermax. Yeah. That's yeah. where the Unabomber and the Blind Sheik are. Oh. I hear they play Canasta on a daily basis. Yeah, but the, the game goes pretty slow when you're dealing with a, a blind sheik. I mean... Not uh, yeah, I'm not. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make any. No. What was the guy's name from uh, the Murrow Building? The. I I just, I I the the other guy. Uh, I never did hear any more about him. The second guy that supposedly went on trial. Yeah, the Michigan Terry, militia guy. Terry, somebody, but I cannot remember the guy's name with the Ryder truck. Okay, the uh, the horn the the Horn family. Uh, community ad hoc research department is going to have to get on that because I'm not going to go clack 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 looking for it. Thank God, I but, was living. You know, there. to get to channel our inner Jesse Lee. No, let's not do that. But no, as Jesse Lee would say, he did. Yeah. When I uh, when that happened, I was living in Tulsa at the time, so it was Timothy McVeigh. Thank you, McVay. thank you, Stephen, New York. Thank you, uh, uh, thank you, Ralphs. Yeah, some people you want to forget, and I'm sure he's one of them. And what did he get, the horizontal crucifixion? Yeah, he got the horizontal crucifixion. Jesus. Merciful saints. And just think, if we hadn't, if we hadn't executed him, we could still be hating him. We could, still be, we could still hope that he was being tormented for the babies that he killed. But no, we're all done now because he's dead. Forgetting his name and everything. Right. Jeez. Well, what about this Alex Jones? I mean, is he does does his future include grinding out license plates for forty cents an hour and having to send part of that uh, to help pay his uh, fine? Billion dollars, nine hundred and six was nine hundred sixty-five million. Has a lot of damn money. So they're going to need that for, for a portion of that 40 cents an hour for making them license plates or brooms or whatever they do in, in stir. Oh, what a detestable fuck. Oh, I can make it worse. You want me to go ahead and make it worse? Is this about Alex? No, this is not about Alex. But Alex, Alex, but Alex would approve of this Alex. ruling. All right. Um, we, got a, we got a federal judge down in... Charleston by the name of Joe Bob Goodwin. Is that his real name? Yes. Judge Joe Bob. The right honorable Joe Bob. Is there a hound dog laying next to the bench? <laughs> Duke. Come here, call Duke. <laughs> and by the way, Terry Nichols got 20 years to life. Thank you, Bill Terry Rick. Nichols. Yeah. Uh, Okay, okay. This is, wait, 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 wait. Before we go back to Joe Bob, I've got a, <laughs> I've got a modest little cowbell to award to uh, Stephen New York. All right. Uh, isn't being in Indiana bad enough? Well, I, yeah, Dylan I, I've, Roof. Been to it. I've been through Indiana, and I didn't want to insult Dave. Isn't no. Dave from Indiana? Yes. I'm telling you, I, the, the, I, it, the part that I went through, when I was when I first moved from uh, D.C. to Kansas City, part of the route took me 
through southern Indiana. And I'm telling you, it was spooky because it was like a like a, a, a state forest of some sort. And I forget whether it was night or day. Now, I think it was late in the afternoon when I entered the state forest. And it was a good number of miles. And I'm thinking, Jesus, I hope I don't break down because this is the last place I want to be. I'm hearing dueling banjos <laughs> playing in my head, you know. Boy, you got a pretty mouth. Well, thank you. Squeal. Squeal like a pig. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Anyway, well, tell me about Judge uh, Joe uh, Joe Bob. Is it Joe Bob? Mm, Joe Bob. Joe Bob. Joe Bob. What's his last name? Goodwin. But speaking you. of pissing, uh, Ron and Raleigh says some of Alex, <laughs> some of Alex Jones's freaky followers have been caught pissing on the grave of the victims of the little shit stain in Connecticut. Uh, the depths of depravity. Yeah, well, I mean, what, what, what do you expect? They are just totally off the twig. And, and of course, it. Steve, Steve pointing out as to Nicholas Cruz, if he's not a bottom now, he will be soon. Oh, oh, oh. <clears throat> uh, well, the, you know, the only place in America they still sell brew cream. It's in prisons, in the prison commissary. Look it up. Uh, anyway, get on Joe Bob before I say something yeah. offensive. Well, okay, else, so so he holds he, he he holds court down in uh, Charleston, and you might recall that last summer during the night uh, the the previous nightmare term of our most puissant dread sovereign supreme Catholic Majesties, they had a gun case. And basically said that, you know, guns are more important than people. Well, along came a guy by the name of Randy Price. And Randy Price um, had a felony rap sheet. And he got busted. And upon being busted, the cops found that he had a firearm in his car from which the serial number had been removed. This used to be illegal, but as of now, at least in West Virginia, isn't. Because U.S. District Judge Joe Bob Goodwin has held that the federal law against possessing firearms with the serial number filed off is no longer illegal in the United States of America. Following the dramatic expansion of gun rights by the Supreme Court of the United States last June. Well, isn't that... So Joe Bob, Joe Bob dismissed the indictment on that charge. There will be other charges, like being a felon in possession of a firearm. Maybe Randy Price can appeal that to the Supreme Court and, and, and those uh, six judicial uh, vandals can overturn that statute, too. They're real big fans of making prohibitions go away. 
And these are some. Well, you know, uh, the, the certain prohibitions. They're big fans of putting them in place in others. Which reminds me, do you have Apple TV? No, but I can try it. Uh, you should. Uh, you need to watch all of Ted Lasso. We've been through that. Yeah. But the first episode of season two of The Problem with Jon Stewart. Just Is it on Apple TV? Yeah, it's on Apple it TV. On something else. No, it's on well, Apple TV. Yeah, I've heard some good things about that show. Oh, it's very good, and the first and, and the season opener is a humdinger because it's called the Gender Wars, and since the day he left the Daily Show, John Stewart has not missed a no. There, he's still John Stewart, and it's an hour-long program that includes him sitting down and dissecting the Attorney General of Arkansas before her own very eyes. And he's pretty good at cross-examination. Yeah, I couldn't believe the Attorney General sat down with him. She must have thought she was smarter than she was. Because her, well, her not smart. That was a fairly, uh, a fairly regular thing where people would come on with him in, in other uh, venues, and he would just, by the, they needed assistance walking out after it was over. So, um, well, I'm the whole you? thing is brilliantly put together. Well, I may have to check that out. Oh, I encourage everybody to be, because, you know, I've talked about it probably too much here. Uh, if our if our fundraising since I came out is any indication, what what else is on Apple TV? Because there was something on it once that Ted I Lasso is on Apple TV. Yeah, but there was something else that struck my. I heard about it, and I said, "Well, I wonder where that is." And I looked it up, and it said Apple TV. Because see, I don't like to sign up for for streaming services unless they've got you know a good half dozen things that 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 are. Is it mostly? Stuff made for Apple TV. Yeah, or yeah, movies? yeah. It's, no, I mean the Apple TV is making movies now. Okay. Yeah. Now, see, this is all I need. Uh, yet another streaming. Channel. Yeah, but you no, know, but just to sit there and watch the first season of uh, of of uh, the problem with John Stewart, and then this first episode of the second season. That for, yeah, they usually give you like ten days or something to try it. Maybe that's what I ought to do is binge it. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, do you uh, have a way to watch CNN? Oh, of course, yes. All right. They have got a, a program that's been on probably about five or six weeks, and it's going to continue for a few more weeks, I think, called the Murdochs, as in Rupert and his uh, spawn. I have, I have, it's on Sunday nights, and I'm telling you, that's some pretty good programming, because they've taken him from his, from his very beginnings down under, and week by week talking about how he has built his empire, and, 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 and uh, certainly redefined, if not fucked up, if not both, news in this country. And I'm telling you, if you, you know, you'll have to play catch up because, like I said, it's been going on for at least 
four or five installments. So you'll have to watch those and then start watching every Sunday night. The Murdochs. I recommend it. That's my TV viewing tip. It's pretty well done. So. Well, that sounds intriguing. Yeah, I mean, it, it. I already knew a lot about his story, having read, uh, what was that book that um, Gabriel Gabriel Sherman, I think, yeah. about Roger, St or, or the big guy, Jabba the the Fox guy. Yeah, uh, Roger Ailes. Roger Ailes. Who yeah. once who once fired Bill, Mister Stress Miller. Really? Yes. What was Bill doing for him? Uh, way, way, way back. He hired Bill to do some, I guess, harp work, and didn't like it, and shit canned. Some what work? Harp. Harmonica. Harp. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Mouth harp. I'll be damned. But I, I was just reminded when you mentioned Roger Ailes. Roger Ailes, who enjoyed watching... <sighs> Jesus, it just grosses me. Enjoyed watching the Fox News female news anchors on trampolines. I know, yeah. I forget what channel it was on. It was one of the streaming channels of, about a year ago. Uh, Russell Crowe, was that his name? The, the guy that played in Gladiator? Yeah. The Australian actor? Played Rogers, Roger Ailes. Why do I want to keep calling him Roger Stone? Roger Ailes. He, and it was the, the miniseries based on the book, The Smartest Guy in the Room, or whatever the hell the name of that book was, by Gabriel Sherman. And he did. I, he should have won an award. I don't know if he did. But you talk, you talk about the creep factor. And, and then to be a woman in his employ... With the short skirts and the, the the perfect makeup and the glass tabletops, I, I just uh, I think Roger did us all a favor by shuffling off, as it were. Well, agreed. And there was that one movie about uh, you know the eventual uh, his eventual downfall, and and I think didn't John Lithgow play Roger Ailes in that one? Oh, the one about the reporter that he uh Yeah, the was... the, the anchors there at, at Yeah Fox. yeah. Um yeah, I I think Yeah. Oh, now the, okay, there's one you'll like. Uh, there's another show that's on Apple TV that uh, Ron and Raleigh reminds us of. Uh For All Mankind. Oh, that was what I looked into it for. That I couldn't remember what it was. Alternate yeah. story of the space race where the, the Russians get to the moon first. Oh really? I yeah, and there's four. Then there's four seasons of it so far. Well, I'm going to sign myself up for it then, because as long as there's something that I that just don't make me beg you for two years to watch Ted Lasso. All right. Well, now that's the guy from Saturday Night that's on that. Yeah, and but it's a br it? the whole cast is brilliant. Yeah, and well, you, I've heard you speak of it, and it sounds like a delightful show. Oh, it is. He's like a, a soccer coach or something, football coach or. He's an American oh football coach who knows nothing about soccer, who gets hired to coach an English Premier League team in order to destroy it. Ah, 
we'll see. There's, there's but he's your- so positive and upbeat, he doesn't know. And then he just changes everybody around him. Well, I would it like is that. truly a beauty. I mean, you cannot not feel good after you've watched Ted Lasso. And by God, I could use stuff to make me feel good. Oh, then just get binge it. Just binge it. Uh, it, the the third season won't be back till like January or February, and and it was supposed to be back already. Yeah, but the first two seasons are just magic. All right. And well, uh, I, if you don't hear from me a while, I've got an Apple TV and I'm watching shit. So. And and I actually, oh, I can't. But I, I my avatar is one of the characters there. The owner of the team. Her name's Rebecca. I want to be Rebecca. Uh, just because her style is just so perfect. Uh, but uh, so the, the, for all mankind and Ted Lasso and the problem with John Stewart. And speaking of Joe Bob, Ron and Raleigh says, uh, you, me- you guys remember Joe Bob Briggs? Oh, absolutely. So the movie critic. Yeah. Yeah. God, there's a name from the 90s. But I tell you what, the, uh, thanks, Joe Bob Goodwin. It, it's it's going to be so fun watching how many people, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to file a serial number off my gun right now. Joe Bob done said I could. And is this, this was where, in South Carolina? No, it's West Virginia. Oh, okay, because there is a Charleston, South Carolina. Well, when I said down the mountain in Charleston, I thought, well... Well, I missed the down the mountain, as I so often do. Oh, and by the way, I had a note from Matt in San Francisco. This is why Jack and Jill never counted on me to fetch that pail of water. Oh, God, I remember the dice, man. Don't make me think of that. Oh, well. Yuck. See, I I wouldn't have said anything about him. No, but he had a a just revolting take on Jack and Jill. Although, I will tell you this. I didn't like him as a comedian, and I forget which film it was, but he was in a Woody Allen film, and he's not a bad actor. Well, I mean, his whole Dice Man persona was an act. Oh, I know. But it was just so vile and so misogynistic and so hateful. But, you know, when 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 someone is known for one particular thing and you either love him or detest him, it was refreshing to see him out of that character and into something else entirely. But then that brings up the whole matter of Woody Allen films, which I can't say anything bad about his movies. Maybe him's another story, but, you know. Right. But, no, I had a note from Matt in San Francisco, subject line death penalty, going back to uh, Nicholas Cruz and Dylan Rufy. Um and Tim McVeigh. Right. He did. I agree with Scott, mostly against the death penalty, but in certain cases, I just finished watching Dahmer on Netflix. Brought back a lot of memories of the case and how gruesome it was. It was very well done and exploited, explored the different angles of how it affected the various people adjacent to Dahmer. Like his dad, his mom, Dahmer's neighbor. 
I think it's Niecy Nash who delivers a great performance as the neighbor who continually called the police to no avail as she knew something was horribly wrong, including when the police returned the 14-year-old boy to him. Anyway, I think there's something to be said for closure for the survivors when a serial killer is put to death, either by the state or by a fellow prisoner. And I, 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 I understand that. Um, and I think as between the two... Uh, I, I prefer the buy, buy someone else in prison aspect of it. So that we get the full benefit of the, retri- of the retributive punishment. Isn't that how Richard Speck... Didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and also uh, Albert DeSalvo, the Boston Strangler. I think they he got shanked. Not in Shanksville, but up there in New England somewhere. Oh, and uh, what about Whitey? What's his name? Uh, didn't he get offed in prison uh, from Boston? Whitey, oh, the yeah. I don't remember. I know that he died, but I thought, well, maybe he did. Maybe he did get get it in prison. I you know when when Dahmer was available became available on was it Netflix? Yeah, I added, I added it to my two watch list. But knowing that I remember that case pretty well, and it, I, I do, do I really want to watch a series based on that that event? And that maybe the human interest part of it will be a redeeming value, but it's such an awful, awful. I mean, th- thinking back on it. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure it'll be available for quite some time to come. So maybe I'll sidle on up to it and. Oh yeah, it. and oh, and Whitey Bulger, Whitey Bulger. I thought it was Bulger, but I didn't want to get it wrong. Oh, and uh, let's see, other other fun court stuff. Attorney, uh, New York Attorney General uh, Letitia James went into New York State Court on Thursday. To make, you know, what's that old saying? A kick, a kick dog will bark. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, she went back into court in New York to make, make Nitwit Nero bark some more. Oh, good. Uh, she requested that the court freeze all the New York assets of the Trump Organization and then impose an independent monitor on the Trump Organization during the pendency of her lawsuit against the Trump Organization. Did he respond badly? I'm uh, sure he did. We don't. We don't have the report yet, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure. Well, you know, the, I'm sure that the son of the, the son of a Klansman has been using all the words. <laughs> uh, she told. She told. Uh, she issued a statement. Um, and among other things, issued a warning to the uh, to the state supreme court. And I never know quite how to respond when I see the state because the supreme court is the trial court in New York. It's real squirrely. So I don't know if she was in the trial court or if she really was in the highest court in New York. But she said that uh, Nitwit Nero may be shuffling his holdings around 
uh, to get outside the reach of New York's courts. She said, since we filed this sweeping lawsuit last month, Donald Trump and the Trump Organization have continued those same fraudulent practices and taken measures to evade responsibility. Today, we're seeking an immediate stop to these actions because Mr. Trump should not get to play by different rules. But on, on the front page of either the Post or the New York Times, Washington Post or New York Times today, was a story that I didn't read that he's created a new corporate entity called oh, yeah. Trump Organization 2, like Roman, Roman numeral 2. What's that about? I didn't read the story. Well, that may be but, what Tish James was talking about. A place to shift the uh, the assets? Right, because like, just like Alex Jones, he shifted assets. But it's, if that's what he's up to, and I see no reason to think that that's not what he's up to, it's pretty transparent. I mean, well, it's also uh, known as a fraud upon the court. Well, that's what I was kind of getting at. I wasn't sure what to call it. Yeah, see, in the new court papers, James says Trump incorporated a new Trump Organization LLC in Delaware on September 15th and registered the company with New York as Trump Organization Roman numeral 2 LLC on the day her lawsuit was filed on September 21st. And then uh, Trump, and then and then the lawyer for the parking garage said uh, the filing was a thinly veiled attempt to keep the case in front of the judge, the same judge who held Trump in contempt, and keep it out of the commercial division. Yeah. So the Supreme Court. Uh, thank you, Stephen. New York. The Supreme Court is the trial court level. And the highest court is called the New York Court of Appeals. So, he, in other words, he thinks he's outsmarting someone, but he's only digging himself in deeper. Is is what it what it amounts to? Yeah, basically. And uh, counsel for the parking garage went so. I just love saying that. I do. Now, counsel for he, the parking garage. Is she also in charge of, because you got to refill that, you know, the thing when you drive up, the gate goes up and you punch the thing. Yeah, she's, she's got to put the paper in for the ticket printer. and. Well, that's a job. I mean, that's an important function. Of, <laughs> in fact, I think in, she, may, she may live in the little box next to it or maybe in, underground. I'm not sure. <laughs> in modern life, someone's got to do these jobs. But she said, uh, we have repeatedly, now this is a woman who's already in trouble, you know. Um, this is Miss Bop or Bop or Bot. Haba. Haba. Uh, but yeah, she said, uh, yeah, th this is, <laughs> this is counsel for the parking garage. Uh, she's one of, a member, of, she's a member of those people who are wearing red hats that say MAGA across them. Only in this case, MAGA stands for more attorneys are getting attorneys mm -hmm. or making attorneys get attorneys. Why not going around? Uh, we have repeatedly provided assurance in writing that the Trump Organization has no intention of doing anything improper. This is simply another stunt which Ms. James hopes will aid her failing political campaign. I'm pretty sure Nitwit Nero wrote that for her. Well... Look at the paperwork. Is it in crayon? They're Sharpie. Oh, oh, Sharpie, yeah. 
so she's asking the court to prohibit the Trump Organization from transferring material assets to anybody who isn't a party to her lawsuit or of disposing of property without without uh, the court saying Holly Smoot over it. And among other things, she wants somebody else to do their account, their, their the, for, the 2022 financial statements to make sure that they don't get a bad, get a bad case of the perjuries. Well, all of this makes me wonder if maybe I wasn't onto something some months ago when he was making noises about 2024. I would say his dance card is going to be pretty well full between now and then if he's not already in prison by that. Right, but see, but see if he can uh, – this, this is the way his sick little mind is working. If he can get back into the Oval Office – then all of this shit gets mostly held in abeyance, and in particular, criminal charges. That's what he's most afraid of. And and the horrors that I, I mean, can, the, if the Republicans get the House and Nitwit Nero to were, were to get the presidency in twenty twenty four. We would hang Ukraine out to dry so fast you could hear Nicholas, uh, or, uh, you could hear uh, Vladimir Zelensky flapping in the breeze. Well, let me give give you my counter argument or counter thinking. You remember 2016? You remember the various dis- debates stages for the Republican candidates' debates in the run up to the the uh, nominating convention. Wasn't there himself plus 16 or 17 other wannabes? And after a four-year test drive of the Donald, the the new 2016 Donald, we had a a four-year test drive, and we could see what it it could do and what it would do and what it wouldn't do. Do you think the Republicans want to hitch their wagon to a a burning-out star? Some of them do because it's a good dollar. Yeah, I know, but you know, think back to all those people who were on that debate sta- those debate stages in 2016, the wannabes, the GOP wannabes. You know that they're they're all aching for an opportunity to uh, inhabit the Oval Office in in 2024, and 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 you you know. So there's a thing called diminishing returns. That okay. there is. And and sooner or later the the, the 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 scale, the you know, one side with all the bullshit on it goes downward and the other side goes upward. And you look at that and say, well, maybe we don't want to use bullshit on the scale the next go around. And with these others, these wannabes in the wings thinking they could do just as good or bad a job as Trump did, our test drive of the 2016 Donald Trump mobiles, I would think that the last thing they want is for him to be the standard bearer, some of them anyway. That's all I'm saying. Well, no, that's what I'm talking about when I say that there are people reaching in their pockets and purses and fingering that package of cigarettes and reaching for the lighter. Well, I was only kidding when I said that the other It's day. a reference to Hitler in the bunker. Yeah. Yeah, and he didn't smoke or drink or eat meat. 
but there until the toward the end there, and he was smoking anything. He shredded up the Bible and tried to get Eva to light light him up. Well, he did. He did develop a taste for crystal meth, and that explains a lot. Well, yeah, but then again, he was he was in a word messed up. Yeah, he certainly was. Jeez. Don't touch that frog. You'll get warts. Oh, that's a myth. Myth? Myth? Yes? Hand me my pith helmet, won't you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, in the course of any of these conversations, this has to happen sooner or later. (laughs) Johnny, did you say pith helmet? Yes, teacher, I did. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Uh, yeah, yeah, rat, yeah. R-A-T, rat. Great big goddamn rat with a dick this big. We we have become the punchline to the joke about the old farts on the porch. Just get 67. Ah, you told it wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I see by the old clock on the wall. Oh, this has been grand. Let's end it on a laugh. I, yeah, I think I ought to uh, shuffle off the stage here and, and um, uh, catch up on my coffee. But uh, How's I, the horn mug holding up? Well, I told you that the horn mug is in a place of honor. Not that I don't... I know, I, but it's I, supposed to be used. Yeah, but... See, there's a thing about my coffee. I've cut down on my... I, I have my one pot of coffee, which makes about three mugs full of coffee which at this point in the game i don't want to do any more than that okay and the problem with the horn mug i mean i'm grateful for it and thank whoever the benefactor was who made it possible for me to have it okay and i used it for the first week but i i tend to drop things as i get older and i tend to stumble as i walk from here to the kitchen to retrieve it. And I don't want anything to happen to it. And I only bring it, it's like, I don't do religious occasions anymore, but I only bring it out on special occasions. And that's, you know, but otherwise it's in a place of honor and I see it every day and it gives me a moment of gratitude and and thankfulness and, and all that. And then, you know, when the next special occasion comes up, Hopefully it'll be election night or thereabouts when we find out that we held on to the House and made an increase in the Senate. Why, by God, I may fill that thing up to the brim with vodka and ice cubes and vermouth and olives, big old olives, bigger than a bulldog's left eye olives. You've seen those. Oh, yeah. And oh, I especially love the ones that are stuffed with blue cheese. Oh, God, yes. You. Didn't you turn me on to those or somebody? I think I did, yeah. Oh, my God. And I love blue cheese anyway. But, God, now you got me hungry for martinis and olives with blue cheese. Oh, it it, it makes an interest. Using the olives stuffed with blue cheese makes for an interesting martini. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I never understood these people who would have a martini with with lemon peel or what is the other th- or onions those little fucking cocktail onions which i hate them i, I don't know what it is god about the them. passion in your voice i hate cocktail onions almost as much as i hate 
of uh, frozen Brussels sprouts. Fresh ones are okay if you're cooking. Right. Okay, well let me let me let me straighten you up about the the martini. It's not a martini. When you do the chilled with the vodka or the gin and you use the onion, that is not a martini, Scott. That is a Gibson. For real? Yes, for real. That's a Gibson. Well, what is it with if you use lemon peel? Uh, I think that goes into the Gibson, too. You, you, you rim the glass with lemon peel. I'm getting rather personal here. With my, Stop my with average. the... All right. Easy. I I need a shock collar is what I need. And you have the button. (laughs) Yeah, we'll just use it with a. Yeah, we'll just put it. Make it an iPhone app. Give me a little jolt. (laughs) That shut him right up, didn't it? Ow! (laughs) I haven't even said anything yet. (laughs) A Gibson, huh? Yeah. Well, I'll never have one as long as you hate those little fucking onions, right? Fucking onions. I hate those things. I, it's like what, oddly I, enough, I I've got them. a jar of hot and spicy pickled onions in the kitchen. They almost and I love me, them. They almost made me leave Ralph's one day. I was in the uh, in the uh, mayonnaise aisle where they have things like ketchup, mayonnaise, mustard, pickles, and olives, and and cocktail onions. And I, I saw those cocktail onions, and I was going to pass by, but I stopped my cart, the one with the wobbly wheel in front, and I even I addressed the little jar of cocktail onion. onion and gave it down the road. I said, you fuckers. I didn't even touch the jar. I didn't even pick it up. But the, the manager or the assistant meat cutter or whoever it was was coming back from a smoking break and saw me addressing in rather loud, rude terms, a little jar of innocent cocktail onions, bastards, uh, just uh, giving them what for, and uh, said, are you finding everything all right, sir? <laughs> Here, let me show you to the exit. And I talked him out of it, and everything was okay. Well, you know, that, that's, but, just, that's just a little miracle of how this program works. I just now reached behind my chair here in the studio. And found a jar. And brought up a jar of... Pickle juice. Aunt Nellie's whole Holland-style pickled onions. Oh, my God. I, I thought she specialized in beets. Well, she That's she a, does those, too, but she does onions. We're, we're talking about the same Aunt Nellie. Yes. And there's a recipe on the side for something I find absolutely uh, intriguing. Now, what are they again? Aunt Nellie's whole Holland-style onions. Do they differ from cocktail onions in any measurable way? Or? I got nothing. Uh, but Because uh, I like the beets. I like the hobbit beets. I, oh, I, no, I, li- I, like the little, I like the little sweet uh, sweet and sour pickled beets. Yeah, but those we call those back East Harvard beets. I thought those were just sliced beets. No, no, the, these are the ones with the sweet and sour... Okay, okay, but uh, no, the, the, these Aunt Nellie's uh, whole Holland-style onions have a lovely-looking recipe on the side, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to try it now. What is it? An onion, spinach, and mushroom frittata. Onion, spinach? And mushroom what? frittata. Uh, one jar, Aunt Nellie's whole onions drained. Eight eggs. Half teaspoon of salt. Tablespoon of canola oil, cup of sliced mushrooms, 
half a cup of chopped bell pepper, one cup of chopped fresh spinach, three slices of crisp crumbled bacon, and a half of a crumbled feta cheese. A half oh, a cup. I bet you that is good. That sounds fan-freaking-tastic. I wonder if it's on the Aunt Millie's. Well, I'll listen to the replay and write it down, because <laughs> I would even eat that. Yeah, but you'd have to buy the cocktail onions. Yeah, well, I can get some. I, I'll bribe a guy to go in and get me a jar and tear So nobody will see you and you lose your onion-hating street cred. Just steam the, the label off it as soon as I get home and do it blindfolded. That just adds to the adventure, you know. Probably drop it onto the horn mug and what a mess. But anyway, I wasn't I going to go a little while. Yeah, you were. But the fun part is with the onions, you have to drain the onions for the frittata, which means that you get the onion pickle juice for later enjoyment. Like maybe in a Gibson. Well, you just, you just, you become a meal planner almost. Just in this one short phone call. There we are. Now that sounds like a lovely brunch. Yeah. All right, yeah. Scott, take care of yourself. We'll talk soon. Well, we will, I should hope. And uh, good night, Horn family, and I hope that you made sense of at least some of this. Oh, it always makes sense, and, I, and, and you get fan mail. You get more it, fan mail than I get. Well, and see, but sometimes I wonder, despite what the public says, I, I, it's... My calls are a challenge. I'm sure they're a challenge for you at times. And you're brighter than I am. So. Oh, I wouldn't say that. No, I I tip my hat. Where's my hat? Oh, it's over the... It's, uh, never mind. Yeah, good night. Say good night, Scott. <laughs> good night, Scott. Yeah, and bye. Good night, Horn family. Good night. Our buddy Scott calling from San Diego. Uh Oh, God, will you people leave me alone? Ron and Raleigh, as long as you don't cream that spinach. Ron is on a personal quest to destroy creamed spinach, creamed tomatoes, creamed... Well, Ron hates spinach. You people. Uh, no need to let go of your horn, horn mug, Jude. Jude says... Uh, um, I'd be willing to send Scott my horn mug that you gifted me at Mike's book signing. I've enjoyed it every day and can and, and can let it go. You just keep enjoying it, Jude. I mean, no, it's fine, honey. He's got his. I'm just trying to get him to use it. Me, I've got a I've got a a, a mug that a dear friend of mine gave me. It's it's uh, it's by uh, it's it's Fiesta Ware from West Virginia, and it's got th it's white with three dancing skeletons on it. It's my uh, spooky season mug, and then I've uh, I, I've got my Tinkerbell mug, and it provides me great joy. Goes with my Tinkerbell tattoo. Uh, note coming in from uh, Darlene in Connecticut, uh, wondering, long shot here, but Republicans in both houses were quick to foist the blame on the FBI for not warning or doing enough to forewarn about January sixth act of civil war and terrorism. My goodness, they blamed Nancy, too. Yes, they did. We know Republicans deflect. This is almost an understatement, Darlene. Is it possible that those Republicans, you know, the Jim Jacketoff Jordans and Chicken Shit Hollies, 
knew that the Secret Service had advance notice that Trump's ragtag army was going to commit insurrection on his behalf? Wouldn't it be wonderful, and this is the dare to dream portion of Darlene's email, wouldn't it be wonderful to catch them in the act? They knew, and they knew the Secret Service knew, so they used the FBI as their fall guy. I mean, that takes some planning and some conspiratorial activity. You're damn right it does. That's the kind of conspiracy that uh, goes right on up the line. And there's nothing in what you just wrote that seems particularly wacky. Wouldn't surprise me in the least. Oh, and going back to the murder of Whitey Bulger. um, Sean McKinnon was charged with the murder of Whitey Bulger in 2018 last week by the Department of Justice. That's from Ron and Raleigh. Thank you, Ron and Raleigh. Ad hoc member of the Horn Ad Hoc Research Department. And we got a little less than a half hour to go in this Thorn in the Side Thursday program. We met Ralph's challenge. We got down to $880. Golly Moses, it would be so great to take it down further if there's anybody that wants to help out along the way yeah it'd just be magnificent i hate talking about it but it seems like it, if i don't mention it it definitely doesn't happen so yeah that uh interesting interesting ruling by the supreme court today i mean it's it's not a it's not an actual ruling it's a refusal to take the case And I find it interesting that they decided not to take this case. It must mean that the thing was not developed well enough for them to really put the screws to uh, to women in this country. They refused cert on Tuesday in a case in which uh, two pregnant women, along with a group known as Catholics for Life, and servants of Christ for life um, challenged a 2019 Rhode Island statute that codified women's reproductive rights in the state of Rhode Island. And so, as I have, t- I have said over and over and over again, they're not going to be happy until they have taken away women's reproductive freedom in every square inch of the United States of America. And so, uh, in, in codifying Roe in 2019, these Lulus and theocrats and... Um, religious thugs said that uh, the, 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 the statute violated the fetus's personhood because in this past May the state Supreme Court in Rogues Island said that the fetuses didn't have any legal standing you know, because they can't live outside the womb. Uh, they can't live on human food. They're basically bobbing around in there like sea monkeys. They have no independent agency. 
and the Supreme Court, uh, the, 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 let's see, the uh, uh, Servants of Christ for Life and the Catholics for Life and the two pregnant women who were not being forced to have an abortion or anything, because that doesn't happen. Uh, well, they got sent packing by this gang of wild-eyed jurisprudential vandals. And so the Rhode Island Supreme Court case will stand. And this means that it's, uh, well, a temporary setback for the theocrats of the fetal personhood movement. And... uh, Among other things, fetal personhood would prevent anyone from ever having in vitro fertilization because of the personhood of the goddamned fertilized eggs that don't get used. Because in Georgia, fetal personhood uh, 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 statute has been approved after the Dobbs decision last summer. And that's how come the Georgia Department of Revenue said uh, people can claim fetuses as dependents. And, of course, in Texas, fetal personhood was the cause of, of of a woman who was driving by herself in the HOV lane telling cops that... uh, her fetus counted as a second person in the car. And a judge actually agreed with her and dismissed the case, and then she got ticketed for it again in July. And so what this means is this, the, the, the case was not perfect enough for our most puissant dread sovereign supreme catholic majesties to hang their hats on oh god don't worry they'll be back and eventually well uh, that that's just that's too negative Oh, and by the way, since we've been talking about uh, the terrorist attack on the capital of the United States, uh, let's check in with uh, Mickey Witheft. Mickey Witheft is the mama of Ashley Babbitt who was a member of the, ter- the, the terrorist bunch that attacked the Capitol on January 6th. And, well, as the saying goes, she fucked around and found out and got all dead. And this past Tuesday, she uh, went on Mr. Meth Pillow's show and said that... Uh, January 6th was a patriotic celebration that the FBI ruined. 
and said that, you know, as, as Darlene noted a moment ago, that it was all the FBI's fault. Yeah, I think that, that's some that's some interesting video of that patriotic celebration. She said, you know, January 6th, if you talk to people who were actually there, they talk about what an inspiring, uplifting, patriotic day that was. You know, singing patriotic songs and enjoying the company of patriotic people, Ashley included. You know, I I hold comfort in the fact that I've seen her walking down the inaugural path, and I see that as one of the... It was a happy moment in her life, you know. She was celebrating the fact that she was there, celebrating the fact that she just got to see Donald Trump speak. I wonder if she was in or outside of the magnetometers. And so I appreciate everybody who was there, sharing that day with her. And then, you know, it suddenly turned violent. Suddenly. It had only been planned to be violent since, like, December. And I'd like to see the catalyst for that change because it's my belief the Capitol Police waged war on the un, on the American unarmed citizens that day, and the um uh, the, the FBI um uh, were active in making sure the violence happened and actually orchestrating that day. And that's my belief because she believes it because believing, you know, the act of of, of uh, adopting a position without using the faculties of the mind. I believe for every drop of rain that falls, a flower grows. Yeah, in, 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 in uh, Ms. Withheft's strange little world, none of the maggots had guns. None of them had semi-automatic assault rifles. None of them had sniper rifles. None of them had body armor. None of them had ballistic helmets. They were just there to sing patriotic songs. And then, and then, and, and then I don't know. She was on Mr. Meth Pillow's program. Maybe they got around to talking about it was really Antifa or really the Black Lives Matter. Trust and believe. If that had been Black Lives Matter, the river would have run as high as the as a the horse's kneecaps. Do horses have kneecaps? I don't know. But there would have been a wholesale slaughter. I know she's grieving, and it breaks my heart. And I wish she could have been a better mother than to have her daughter going and participating in a terrorist attack on the capital of the United States and constitutional governance therein. Um, All in this story, this is a heartbreaker. I don't know what I'd do, speaking of being a parent, I don't know what I would do with this. Story, of course, comes from Arizona, Stan. 
where a 14-year-old girl, now you know where this is going just by saying 14-year-old girl, don't you? Where a 14-year-old girl was denied access to a drug called methotrexate, MTX. Now, the 14-year-old girl has a debilitating case of rheumatoid arthritis. And only after getting on methotrexate therapy was the child able to even attend school. In addition to rheumatoid arthritis, she has osteoporosis. And for most of the 14 years of her life, she has been in and out of hospitals. Trying to live what little life she has. And the methotrexate therapy allowed her to experience something resembling the ordinary life of a 14-year-old kid. So, they went to the pharmacist to get the refill of her methotrexate. This is so sickening. Where the pharmacist, in the name of Jesus, refused to fill the prescription. Because the pharmacist was afraid it might cause her to have an abortion. The 14-year-old little girl wasn't pregnant. But the pharmacist is a Jesus freak. A theocratic punk who has no business being in pharmacy. But methotrexate can't, it it probably has, it has a warning with it that says you shouldn't take it if you're pregnant. Because it can cause spontaneous abortion. And the child was denied the prescription two days after a judge in Arizona, Stan, said that a law that was passed in 1864, which incidentally is 48 years before Arizona, Stan, became a state, that, that law banned... Abortions. And it says that anyone who provides an abortion will be sent to prison. It took fully 24 hours for the poor child to get her prescription with her, uh, with her doctor. Absolutely infuriated. went to Twitter 
and said my patient's taking MTX or methotrexate. And the pharmacist denied it because it can be used as an abortifacient. And it's used occasionally in cases of ectopic pregnancies. But in this instance, the pharmacist didn't even ask any questions about the 14-year-old patient. As the girl's doctor wrote, no discussion, just a denial. But, you know, the pharmacist loves Jesus and the precious little fetuses. They are a sickening and bloodthirsty lot. That pharmacist should not have a license to practice pharmacy in the state of Arizona or any other state in the union. Her mama said, I was scared. I was really scared. I'm like, if they deny this, then we'll have to find a different medication, and we don't know if it's going to work. Oh, and here's the last irony. At the same time that that law was passed in 1864 that, it, that uh, forbade abortions and put, went, put people in prison for providing them, well, there was a whole sheaf of bills that were passed at the same time. There was another law signed it, uh, passed at the same time that banned interracial marriage. Another law alongside the abortion ban stated that the age of consent in Arizona, the age at which a girl could be forced into a marriage, was, and wait for it, 10. And uh, also, uh, in, in that, in that uh, sheaf or tranche of laws, all at the same time, a law that no one who was black or Asian or indigenous could ever, 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 ever testify against a white person in a court of law. So dig it. We got a criminal statute that says people who perform abortions go to prison, but if the only witnesses to it were someone who was black, Asian, or indigenous... They couldn't testify on behalf of the state against, oh my God. Make no mistake, these anti-abortion people, these people who claim they are pro-life are damned well devils. They are monsters. They are sick and ought not be known as anything but. Not to get all prayer meeting Wednesday on you or anything, because that was yesterday. But they were what uh, Yeshua the brown-skinned Palestinian day laborer and a semi-literate itinerant rabbi who wore a dress every day of their life called a whited sepulcher. Gleaming and clean on the outside and full of corruption and death within. 
Imagine being so religiously insane that you would endanger a child with a horrible autoimmune condition because you thought she might have a little fetus inside of her somehow or another. Imagine being so weird and sick and twisted that you would think that it, that, that, that you that, that, that you would think that it, think about a child with that condition out there having the sexy time. God, these are some filthy-minded, repulsive, repugnant gutter dwellers. And an actual judge in the state of Arizona said, hey, never mind the fact that these laws were passed when we were still a territory and we weren't even a state. I'm going to let that 1864 law go into effect, but somehow managed to not let the other ones go into effect. You know, the one that said that the age of consent was 10. And we're going to have more and more and more of these. And you know what? The handmaid sitting there in Washington, D.C., she don't give a fuck. And Brat Kavanaugh, who likes beer and baseball and bills that get paid anonymously, he don't give a fuck either. And Clarence Pubes on the Coke can, Fappy Thomas, same. Ann's Boy Neil, ditto. Sammy Bad Breath, gives less than a fuck. Because he, he pretty much despises women. And uh, it's 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 weird when I see things that we've talked about here again show up in the multimillionaire for-profit media. Uh, Miles Taylor, the author of the anonymous memo about keeping Trump from doing his worst was on NSNBC today on uh, Deadline White House. And said uh, of the terrorist attack on the Capitol, I believe Donald Trump wanted people to die. He wanted people to die who were elected officials en masse so he could call out the military, so he could invoke the Insurrection Act, so he could prevent the peaceful transfer of power. That's not a conspiracy theory. In fact, in hindsight, it's pretty damn clear to me this is what he had in mind from day one in office. What do you? Th- what do we think he was talking about in his inaugural when he talked about American carnage and how we all bleed? So much was made in that statement at the time, that statement about American carnage. But nobody... Nobody really picked up on that line about we all bleed. Oh, and by the way, just going back to uh, the pharmacy story real quick. um, USA Today has a story. 
pointing out that Walgreens and CVS have put them in the position, put themselves in the position of refusing to refill a prescription if the medication could harm a pregnancy. Both corporations have regulations in effect giving pharmacists discretion over whom they fill prescriptions for. And so uh, CVS says the pharmacist has to make sure a medication won't be used to terminate a pregnancy before they fill the prescription. Um, The Walgreens Boots Alliance and their spokes creep Fraser Engerman said uh, their pharmacists use discretion when determining the legality of a prescription based on state law. Walgreens, of course, says, Our policy allows pharmacists to step away from filling a prescription for which they have a moral objection. Is it, is it clear? Does, should I mean, anyone... Anyone who gives a damn about the rights of people who can become pregnant in this country. No Walgreens. No CVS. And find the others, root and branch. And avoid them as harmful. Because they are. And so here we are at the uh, end of this Thorn in the Side Thursday. Thank you to all of our PayPal and Patreon subscribers. Thank you so very much. Thanks to our a la carte contributors. Thank you to Ralphs and to Jude this evening. Fundraising goal will be at uh, $1,180 tomorrow. Rough. Thanks to each and every one of you who share your precious finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Thanks to Sparky and Steve earlier in the chat room. Thanks to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa. Head on dot live. Brand new fresh Malloy on the way. 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 6 p.m. Pacific. Best place to listen to the first round of Malloy, of course, is head on dot live. Just leave uh, leave the horn stream rolling and you'll be fine. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people I know. The folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. 20-plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia, and now a proud union shop for low these many months. Coming up on a year. 
be great if you'd reach out to your member of the House of Representatives and ask him to co-sponsor H.R. 2073 in these waning days of this Congress. It means the world to Appalachia. Please stay safe. Get your booster. Wear your mask among the maggot unwashed. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Use your hand sanitizer. Keep your social distance. 15 to 20 feet, like Paul from Parts Unknown says. And, of course, if... uh, Someone comes towards you babbling about how January 6th was a patriotic celebration. Avoid that woman like the plague. Because she is. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Later.